Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling stars injured, NXT star called up to the main roster, and I go through the top five Money in the Bank cash-ins of all time. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode, and remember you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night was WWE Monday Night Raw, but before we get into that, let's check out our news. Anna J injured. Anna J from AEW was injured in training and cannot compete in the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Uh, Anna is going to have to undergo shoulder surgery and is expected to miss 6 to 12 months. That is a year in total that she could possibly miss, which definitely uh, could be a hurt to the uh, AEW Women's Division. But uh, with this tournament going through and how successfully it's going through, uh, we might not see much change. Uh, She will be replaced in the Women's Eliminator Tournament by Maddie Renkowski, a student and protege of Thunder Rosa. Get well soon, Anna J. Hopefully it's closer to 6 than it is to 12 months. Hiromu Takahashi injury update. I reported that Takahashi will miss Road to Castle Attack due to an injury. At the time, the severity of the injury wasn't confirmed, but in a tweet by New Japan Pro Wrestling, they confirmed a left pectoral injury that will leave him out of action for an estimated six months. Takahashi is currently the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and was scheduled to defend the title against El Fantasmo on February 28th. While this match will not take place at Castle Attack this weekend, what will happen to the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship is still unknown at the time of this recording. Get well soon, Takahashi. Rhea Ripley to be called up to the main Raw roster. On last night's episode of Monday Night Raw, it was confirmed through a vignette that Rhea Ripley will be called up. Uh, Rhea Ripley hasn't been seen in action since the 30 Women Battle Royal, excuse me, 30 Women Royal Rumble in January. And congratulations to Rhea Ripley, or not, depending on (laughs) how you look at it. Uh, I'm going to go into a little bit more depth uh, later as I go through Monday Night Raw. And speaking of Monday Night Raw, uh, last night... Uh, I guess the first episode of the awesome era, if you will. Don't cringe on me. Don't cringe on me. I'm I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. But uh, The Miz as the new WWE champion after Elimination Chamber after cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase. And the show starts off with uh, what else? Uh, Miz TV. And in the ring is John Morrison uh, introducing the maze and oh boy does that belt look absolutely funny enough it looks fantastic around the uh the shoulder of the Miz, and he gets fantastic pyro as well uh, i sort of laughed in the beginning well that's what happens when you come become champion you get that great pyro you get that great attention and uh i think that belt really looks looks aesthetically Looks very good on him. I, I really think so. The side plates were upside down WWE logo, sticking to his theme of, uh, you know, usually has the flags on the microphone upside down as well. Uh, you know, just to signify that it, the letter M is kind of that idea. Uh, fantastic promo, I thought. Uh, some people didn't care for it. I actually genuinely enjoyed it. I think he's fantastic on the microphone, The Miz. Uh, one of the best in the WWE at the moment. 
And uh, he didn't ask for our respect, he says. He, he demanded it. And uh, it goes along with the story that, with the whole narrative of, uh, he said it himself. When he first came to the WWE, he expected, uh, not he expected, but people expected him to be fired within the first three months of when he made it. Uh, you know, a reality star or, a, you know, a celebrity in a sense. You know, someone that's just an outsider trying to work their way into the WWE years and years and years ago. Uh, over a decade and a half ago. And uh, for him to now be a two-time WWE champion, a two-time Grand Slam champion... Uh, it really puts a chip on his shoulder. And uh, genuinely, in in my heart, I, I fell for the Miz because for a person that carries the flag of the WWE, I think better than almost anyone else in the company at the moment. Obviously, you could say John Cena, but he doesn't wrestle matches that much anymore. The Miz is still uh, a full-timer, but the Miz also carries the flag of the WWE very, very well. I think the best out of uh, one of the best. Uh, him and McIntyre both do a fantastic job. And uh, Triple H, but obviously Triple H in a completely different role at the moment. Uh, Hurt Business enter. Obviously, Hurt Business have a lot to do with The Miz winning the WWE Championship at Elimination Chamber with Bobby Lashley attacking Drew McIntyre after the Elimination Chamber match in the main event. Uh, Bobby Lashley is with MVP. Bobby Lashley demands to be the first in line for the WWE Championship. And uh, The Miz says that he has no time. He's, he's too busy being the WWE Champion. I do all these media events and interviews and all stuff like that. But the deal that was put in place, quote-unquote, that we saw backstage at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view was that there had to be something structured where uh, Bobby Lashley would have been first in line. Obviously, we didn't hear any of that, but that's all assumptions from what we're learning in the open of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Lashley grabs Miz by the tie, giving him a one-hour uh, time limit to figure out what he's going to do. Uh, Lashley isn't the best on the microphone. I still recognize that, and I know MVP is his mouthpiece, but I wouldn't mind if MVP talked a little bit more for Bobby Lashley. Uh, if they're going to put the belt on Bobby, he's going to have to be able to work on this microphone, and uh, currently doesn't do a fantastic job. I know you guys, you could talk about Brock Lesnar saying that he's not great on the microphone, but there's a reason why he never talked. It's Paul Heyman was the guy that talked for him. You know, so Bobby Lashley, I wouldn't call him as bad as as Lesnar, but I wouldn't call him anywhere near as close as The Miz or McIntyre or anyone that's really been in the main event picture for uh, about a year now. Lashley's probably the worst uh, at the microphone stuff, at the promo work at this moment. Funny enough, they did a countdown clock throughout the show and uh, throughout the night for that one-hour time limit, and uh, it was nice to see. It actually felt like there was some genuine... Uh, a clockwork to it where we were actually counting down to the Miz's decision, but we will see later in the night uh, what the Miz decides to do. Next match, uh, Riddle versus John Morrison. This is the opening match of the night. Uh, Riddle in control until a thumb to the eye from John Morrison. Uh, solid hot flying spots throughout this match for Morrison and Riddle. A dive to the outside, the Spanish fly, a ton of great stuff. Uh, Bro Derek connects after reversing Starship Pain. Uh, Riddle pins and wins. And a good match to open the show, very fast page, but I thought that's fun, and that's what you sort of need to open a show. Um, you know, obviously going to open the show with a champion, but the opening match, uh, it, I thought that was very good. And uh, I wonder how uh, the crowd would have reacted uh, to Riddle as a United States champion. I wonder if they would have been indifferent, I wonder if they would have been happy, maybe a couple boos. I'm very, very curious on when we get back to live uh, fans in stadium and in, in arenas, what fans' reactions are going to be genuinely to Matt Riddle? Uh, I we all know 
what he's capable capable to do in the ring, and obviously now as the United States champion, uh, a lot of high hopes for him. But he does have a past and a, a scattered past at that. So uh, I'm very curious to see what the genuine fan reaction is from uh, the crowds when, when we get back, and hopefully, hopefully soon we get back. Um, after this match, uh, we did get the Rhea Ripley uh, main roster announcement in, in a little vignette. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth now than I did when I'm talking about the news. Uh, awesome. Absolutely awesome, in my opinion. Uh, I, I hinted in, in the, the news segment that, oh, you might be uh, looking at this the wrong way. You might be looking at this like as if it's a, a terrible thing for Rhea Ripley. And you might have some leg to stand on, given the fact that uh, a lot of NXT stars don't do fantastic once they make it to the main, main roster and they're better off staying in NXT where they'll not only continue to develop but continue in a great brand and NXT, in my opinion, the second best show uh, or maybe even be tied for number one with SmackDown, Raw being the easy decision as being the worst WWE main show at the moment. And uh, for Rhea Ripley to be called up, uh, you know, you can't really say anything bad about Rhea Ripley. She's done a fantastic job in NXT. She had a match at WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair. That was a fantastic match to open the show. Uh, I think she's going to be great in the main roster, and I think it, there's finally some going to be some legitimacy to this Raw women's division. Asuka has held this belt for a really, really long time, if you think about it. I think she's held it all the way since uh, Becky Lynch has got, got pregnant and announced it and gave uh, Asuka the belt. So she held this belt for a very, very long time, and I think the next legitimate contender to go up against Asuka, whether it is Charlotte Flair or whether it is going to be Rhea Ripley, will take the belt off of Asuka. She has held this for a really long time, really long time. I don't, won't, don't be surprised if you see a Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Asuka triple threat match at Mania. That can definitely happen. That can definitely happen. You know, they, they can go. It can go good or bad for NXT stars getting called up. We see for Bianca Belair, she is on top of the world right now. She's absolutely uh, going to the moon with uh, her everything she's doing on SmackDown and Sasha Banks, and going to be a complete star. And I I compare her to the equivalent of McIntyre going into WrestleMania 36. Right now, right now they're on that same level. Bianca Belair and where McIntyre was last year around this time. So uh, you see her doing great things. Rhea Ripley obviously going to try and build that. And um, maybe we'll see her at, at WrestleMania as well. Rhea Ripley, she deserves it. Next match, a tag team match. The New Day versus Retribution. Uh, Retribution including Mace and Slapjack in this one. Uh, welcome back to Reckoning. Reckoning finds your way back uh, with the Retribution squad. And the New Day had a good laugh about it. Uh, saying, oh, remember uh, a week back, they said, oh, where's, where's Reckoning? I want to go have a match against Reckoning, Xavier Woods was saying. Not directly on the microphone, but it, it all picked up and was a big Twitter storm. Uh, Retribution uh, connects with a double-team finisher, but Ali wants them to do it again. Kofi Kingston connects with Trouble in Paradise as uh, them doing the finishing move again was unsuccessful. And the New Day win. Ali yells at his Retribution members after another loss. Um... This Retribution storyline is is hopefully it's moving somewhere, and if it's moving, it's moving pretty slow. But better to, better to be slow moving than to be not moving at all. So uh, with their story, I I have no idea where this story is going. Is if Retribution just disbands and just never happened, it would be real shame for Mustafa Ali because I think he has he has something there. He has something tangible that the fans could like. Something f tangible in the sense of, ah, there's, there's some legitimacy to what he's saying. I, I'll never forget, forget the quote that he said. Uh, he said, you know, it was during Legends Night of uh, the Monday Night Raw Legends Night segment that they did. And 
Ali on Raw Talk was talking about how, you know, you, you we thank these legends for paving the road and, and you know making a way for for us. But when am I going to be able to walk on that road? When am I, am I going to be able to use that road? Because right now he hasn't been able to, and he hasn't been able to for a very long time. So I, I'm hoping to see something come from this from at least Ali, at least him. You know, the rest of the members of Retribution, I don't know yet. But at least Mustafa Ali, we need to see something. You know, mid-card title reign, at least. At least, I'm not asking to put the champ- the WWE Championship on him. I'm asking, and also for some, some real recognition and, you know, stopping with these losses because they're, they're getting a little bit too much for, for Retribution to overcome, especially with the New Day being the ones to hand it to them. Uh, Miz's decision, next segment. Uh, Adam Pierce is in the ring. Bobby Lashley enters in ring gear. The Miz and Morrison enter. The Miz is in a suit still, so not ready to compete, even though Bobby Lashley is. The Miz made his decision, and that decision is that he needs more time. He needs more time. And uh, like a sad, um, sad, sad sack in a, a mafia movie, you know, the guy that, that made a deal with, with the mob, and, you know, now the mob's coming after them, and, and now, like, oh, I need more time. Oh, he's going to find himself with a, a horse head in his uh, hotel room. How about that? So, uh, you know, little, little Godfather rest, reference, why not? Um, Braun Strowman enters for whatever reason, and uh, audible confusion from me. I wrote in my notes because I was like, Braun Strowman, really? Are we really going to do this? But it, it did lead up to a main event. Uh, Strowman wants a title match, and Shane McMahon, once again of all people, enters as well. Uh, Shane says no to a WWE championship, championship match between Braun Strowman and The Miz. But he does like the idea of having Strowman and Lashley go against each other tonight in the main event. And if Strowman wins, the the match that will be set, which is uh, Braun Strowman, excuse me, which is Bobby Lashley and The Miz next week, would turn into a triple threat match, including Braun Strowman. So uh, they, they all leave, except uh, Bobby Lashley attacking Strowman from behind to end that segment. And I write in my notes here, uh, where's Drew McIntyre? Uh, once again, you know, uh, may, maybe we can go a little bit without him. We don't really need him for now. Obviously, he was a big part, and he, he lost the championship to The Miz at Elimination Chamber. But we don't need him right now as it stands, which is okay. And maybe it's good for us to not see Drew McIntyre, at least for a little bit, because, you know, we've seen him almost every single Raw since he won the title at Mania last year, you know, maybe he gets a nice Monday off. But, you know, it was a little for me, it was a little off not seeing him in a segment like this, especially given the fact that it was just speak, interrupt, speak, interrupt, speak, interrupt. I was waiting for that, that sword to be unsheathed in the, over the sound system. Uh, but we're definitely going to need him for WrestleMania. So I expect him to be back by then at least. You know, it's Drew McIntyre. He's, he's been the main guy that's been carrying the WWE through, quote-unquote, uncharted waters. You got to have him back. For WrestleMania, at least, at least. Next match, The Hurt Business versus Lucha House Party. This is a tornado tag team match. Uh, the Hurt Business very dominant early on. Double team offense is thwarted by Lucha House Party, but Shelton Benjamin connects with Pager and wins. Uh, I would have liked to see more offense from Lucha House Party in this one, given the fact also it was a tornado tag team match, and I feel like the Lucha House Party would excel in that type of situation, given the you know the luchaness of their not only character, but how they wrestle as a, a team. So uh, I would have liked to seen that, but at the same time, this is also the Hurt Business's night. This is MVP's night. This is Bobby Lashley's night. This is the current Raw Tag Team Championships uh, 
Champions Night. This is their night for them to succeed. And we saw it. I wouldn't call it a squash because they definitely got a good amount of offense in the house party, but not enough for me to say, oh, that, that was really impressive for a tornado tag team match. But her business got the win there. Damian Priest with Bad Bunny versus Angel Garza. Still love Bad Bunny's pyro. He carries the WWE company flag tremendously well for a person that has obviously connections to WWE now, but prior to, didn't have much. Obviously a fan of professional wrestling made the Booker T song and has said that he has been a lifelong fan of professional wrestling in the WWE. But for a person that just to come in to carry the company flag, how he does so well, bringing the 24-7 title to SNL, he didn't necessarily have to do that, but he did. And uh, that would have been nice to see, maybe even see a title change at SNL. That would have been hilarious, but no. I think he's going to hold that for uh, quite some time, and we'll talk about that a, l- a little bit longer as we go through this match. Um, and once again, in love with Bad Bunny's entrance, and also I'm in love with Damian Priest's entrance. And I th- honestly think, it might be a hot take here, that he has a better entrance in the main roster than he does in NXT, or than he did in NXT, which might be crazy for me to say, but I think because of just the the more screens that they have in in uh, the main roster, and the better, I wouldn't say better production value, but the, the more production value that they have and the more capabilities that they have, uh, I feel like it really helps Damian Priest at his entrance. It was fantastic in NXT, but I think it's even next level now. I really, really do. I think it does a great job there. And... Um, and that's really funny enough because, you know, we've seen superstars' entrances get absolutely massacred when they reach the main roster. Just look at Keith Lee and look at everything they, they've done with Keith Lee in the past, ever since he got called up. He, they turned Keith Lee into not Keith Lee. He turned everything opposite of what Keith Lee was in NXT into a shell of former self. So I really hope we see some more Keith Lee soon. And, uh, yeah, it's a little confusing for me still. Uh Garza throws his pants at Bad Bunny uh, midway through the match. Bell clap by Damian Priest. Elbow into the corner and broken arrow, but a kick out by Garza. Uh, Garza gains control and starts barking at Bad Bunny. Priest takes advantage of the distraction and the hit the lights finisher, no longer called Reckoning. So Mia Yim gets her, her name back, at least the exclusive rights to it, uh, by Damian Priest. And uh, he wins. A good match for Priest. I hope to see uh, Bad Bunny on WWE TV a lot more. And uh, I feel like he's, once again, doing a fantastic job carrying the WWE flag wherever he goes. The whole point of having a celebrity on is to not only build a celebrity up. Bad Bunny is huge in the Hispanic rap community. And he talking to a guy that's been listening to Bad Bunny for a very, very long time. The fact that he's on WWE TV makes me very, very happy. And also, not only that, but uh, I feel like he's going to hold this belt at least until Mania. I, I feel like he, he can definitely hold. There's no reason to take the 24-7 title off him right now. I know, I know I'm talking about the 24-7 title like it's the WWE Championship. But uh, in, in this case, it's doing great things for Bad Bunny. It's a little physical symbol of what he's doing at the moment. He's currently with the WWE. So wherever he goes as a international superstar, he will physically hold that WWE Championship. Much like how we talked about 
uh, Antoine Winfield holding the WWE Championship uh, after he won the Super Bowl and bringing that around to the parties and stuff like that. It's a physical representation of the WWE logo, and it's even more for Bad Bunny given it's the legitimate title that's physically being held in the WWE. So I see him holding that at least until Mania to continue to promote that. He, he's doing a great job. Great, great job, Bad Bunny. I don't care what anybody says. Whoever says otherwise, saying that they'd rather not see him on TV, are not looking at it from a marketing perspective, not looking at it from, honestly, what's what's the harm in, in him holding that 24-7 title? Well, how is it going to help Drew Gulak in any way with how they booked him and the potential that he has? If they're really going to do something with Gulak, if they're really going to do something with Tazawa, they wouldn't be on the lower card fighting for the 24-7 title. It's honest as that. So better off having on Bad Bunny something that's literally actually doing something with the 24-7 title and marketing WWE's road to WrestleMania. Fantastic job from Bad Bunny. Uh, at the end of the match... Uh, a couple 24-7 challengers go to attack Bad Bunny, but Priest saves. And Bad Bunny even throws Drew Gulak over the top rope, which was fun to see as well. One of my favorite parts of this uh, Monday Night Raw, the Randy Orton promo. Uh, he was had, cutting a promo about how uh, Alexa Bliss has been a distraction. He's coughing throughout the promo, which made me a little suspect, obviously, because we are still living through a pandemic. So coughing through the promo, not always what you want to see. But... Uh, he also says he's not distracted by the feed. He's more distracted by Alexa Bliss. They cut through to the segment from last Monday where they had Alexa Bliss sitting in the pentagram with all the candles around her. Once they come back to Randy Orton, Randy Orton continues to cough, but this time he coughs up this black fluid. What a fantastic, fantastic visual of Randy Orton actually physically coughing up this black fluid. And uh, what I would love even more if he wore like a white shirt or a white hoodie because he was wearing his black RKO hoodie. I would have loved him to, to wear like something white to really contrast the black fluid coming out of his mouth. Uh, I thought the visual of that was so, so good. And uh, I, I can't wait to continue to see what they're going to do with Randy Orton going forward. It's really going to be some special stuff. Um, next match, Charlotte Flair and Oscar versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Uh, Charlotte Flair visi visibly shaken after last week's announcement from Lacey Evans, uh, her pregnancy announcement, and uh, Flair and Asuka dominate early on in the match, even though Flair is still going through some emotional trials. Uh, Asuka getting in trouble, but Flair enters on a hot tag and saves. Uh, Charlotte struggles herself, but then Asuka enters on a hot tag and saves. Uh, Asuka gets drilled in the head with a kick from Baszler, and it looked like a kick that... that it, would hurt in real life that 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 looked like a really really strong kick i'm not sure if asuka actually got rocked by that that kick but it was that good where it made you think like ah that that looked pretty good that that, that might have actually gotten asuka uh flair misconnects with a kick and actually ends up hitting asuka in the head as well a leg drop from nia Jax and nia Jax pins asuka to win i have in my notes wow in all caps because in, in on friday on on the night prior on uh, the Elimination Chamber, she pinned Sasha Banks, the SmackDown Women's Champion, and now Nia Jax pins the Raw Women's Champion. So now, you might be looking at me like, Jaden, your, your, your prediction's all off. They're building Nia Jax as just if she's a world beater, pinning all these champions. But I think this actually is preparation for Nia Jax when she loses these women's tag team championships down to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez where they do great things in NXT. Now Nia Jax has a stepping stone and a leg to stand on that isn't the tailbone <laughs> jokes that they've been making all this time. But 
actually legitimate pinfalls over Sasha Banks and Asuka. That's pretty big for Nia Jax. So they could have gone two ways with Nia Jax. They could have turned her into like an R-Truth type comedic relief character. Or they could have really legitimized her. And I think they kind of did. I think they kind of did. Once again, you might cringe at me for saying, oh, you know, Jane, you're supporting Nia Jax. And this is she's such an unsafe worker. What are you doing? I, I can care less at this point. She looks decent. She's doing all right. I don't expect her, them to put the belt on her. But at least she has another step after, hopefully, in my opinion, hopefully they lose the tag team championships uh, to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. I think that would be really, really nice. Really, really nice. Flair tries to help Asuka, but Asuka denies the help. This could be the start of either a Asuka heel turn, which I'm not sure about, which definitely could happen. We've seen it her do it overseas, and we can see her do it now. And uh, even her run in NXT could have been slightly determined as heelish, maybe. And uh, this also could be, obviously, Charlotte Flair. Given Charlotte Flair is probably the best heel in the company, maybe behind Roman Reigns, given that he was, what he was able to do. But when, when Charlotte Flair's on her heel stuff, she's the daughter of Ric Flair. So, you know, it's sort of a tough competition there to add up. Next match, Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. And again, yes, again, yes, so even though we saw this multiple times on SmackDown, we did see it again last night on Monday Night Raw, Jeff Hardy in control as action falls outside, but a knee to the face and a bro kick from Sheamus, one, two, three. Uh, I like these types of wins from Sheamus, at least when he's winning these matches. He's not winning it over enhancement talent, he's winning over a legitimate contender. Yes, does it hurt Hardy a little bit? Yes, I get it, but this also squashes the stuff between Hardy and Sheamus, hopefully from here on out. And uh, it allows Sheamus to completely move on with no baggage at all. And maybe Drew McIntyre's next, even though Drew McIntyre doesn't have the championship on him. Uh, we'll see what happens with Sheamus next, but at least he's going in a, uh upward direction instead of a downward one. Uh, backstage, Charlotte and Ric Flair have a talk. Uh, Ric Flair tries to explain himself. Uh, with the whole situation with Lacey, Lacey Evans, he fortunately says that he's not the father. And uh, Charlotte Flair just wants to be Charlotte Flair. And she wants to continue to carry the legacy of the Flair name. She has no problem with that. And she claims that she also loves the business, which I also believe that she does. But uh, the problem is her father, Ric Flair. She keeps on telling her father, Ric Flair, to go home, go home, go home. What are you still doing here? Uh, go home, not in a sense of just, you know, just leave just to leave now, but to leave for good, leave and finally retire, much like maybe he should have, uh, I wouldn't say he should have been completely gone after WrestleMania 24, obviously he should have done no more matches, not an impact, but <laughs> um, I think uh, he should have taken a big step back, but you know, once you got the itch, you got the itch, and WWE keeps on letting him come back, and he comes back, and I'm glad they're integrating it in a way where Charlotte Flair is hopefully finally saying to Ric Flair, it's time It's time to go home. It's time to go home. And uh, I, I agree with that. And, and a very emotional segment as well. I can't do complete justice with a lot of these promo segments just by me talking into uh, my microphone. You have to listen to them talking into theirs. And uh, I feel like I can't do enough justice by just me describing it. If you have a, if one segment, if you're going to look back on it, it's the Randy Orton promo and, and uh, this one because... Uh, the raw emotion out of that, you, I really felt that from Flair. I, feel, I really felt like I did. Uh, Naomi and Lana versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Brief tag team match. Lana and Naomi pick up the win after a 
double team finishing maneuver. Uh, I've honestly, I really, really would love to talk a lot more about this match, but they honestly didn't give me much to talk about here, sadly. So I'm going to have to move on. And that's sort of a bad situation because I really wanted to, uh, I could only go so much more in depth about this women's tag team division. I talked about it ad nauseum already in this podcast. And I've talked about it ad nauseum in previous other podcasts. I think it'll be better served if they really push the WWE women's tag team titles in NXT rather than in the main roster, personally. Next match, AJ Styles with Omos versus Ricochet. A uh, good back and forth early on. Wasn't really any domination from either way. Uh, WWE still doing the job of pushing Omos to the moon. And uh, I have no problem with that. We'll see towards the end of the match how that works out. Uh, a knee from Ricochet, but... Uh, Styles able to recover. AJ Styles connects with the Styles Clash and wins. A fun match. A very, very fun match. Uh, but nothing uh, really super duper to write home about either because we're still looking forward towards this main event. Uh, AJ Styles was wearing his purple and gray black ring gear, the same ring gear that he wore at Elimination Chamber. And now looking at it, it's very reminiscent of uh, Undertaker's ring gear when he was that he wore the black and gray, and then he wore the black and purple early on in Undertaker's run. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe just me putting dots together, but uh, it's probably nothing there. But maybe an homage, if you will, an homage or, or uh, a retro look. At it, I thought that was. I honestly thought the ring gear was very, very sleek as well. Uh, Omos attacks Ricochet, lifting him up with two hands for a choke slam, and uh, once again making Omos look uh, absolutely like a monster and looking unstoppable. I don't think anyone has gotten any form of offense onto Omos in a very long time, or if that ever, if anyone has gotten offense onto Omos. So. Uh, Good on the WWE for continuing to build Omos because I feel like I haven't heard a lot of people talk bad about Omos uh, at all. And when it comes to WWE Twitter and on professional wrestling Twitter, I haven't really heard a lot of people talk too bad about him uh, at all. And uh, I think they continue to build him great. I wonder when his actual in-ring debut is going to be. We haven't seen him have a match yet. That might also be at WrestleMania. That also could be a good chance for that to happen as well. Have it on a big stage. And uh, no better place than WrestleMania. We're right around the corner. And uh, if that wasn't the original plan, that could be the plan going forward. Given that they're giving him so much attention now. uh, Especially at the Elimination Chamber. And uh, last week's uh, Raw throwing Xavier Woods over the barricade. They're giving him a lot of attention. And uh, I think they're continuously building him for a possible... WrestleMania debut. Main event time, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley with MVP. If Braun Strowman wins this match next week, the WWE title match between Bobby Lashley and MVP becomes a triple threat. Uh, The Miz enters, but only to join in on commentary. A great athletic spot from Bobby Lashley on the outside as Braun Strowman was trying to do his train thing where he runs over people on the outside. Tried to run over Bobby Lashley, but he jumps up onto the apron in one fell swoop, one big hop, and uh, avoids Strowman, which has Strowman running into the steel steps. And uh, Bobby Lashley also doing a great job building his strength. He was lifting up. Uh, Braun Strowman for suplexes and taking him off his feet. Uh, listen, Bobby, La- Bobby Lashley, uh, Braun Strowman weighs the 385 pounds. 
So to have him lift him up like that, not only is huge in a WWE sense, but that's in a normal sense. Lifting up a guy that big. We, we all know the size of Lashley, but we also know the size of Strowman as well. Just, you know, you can never deny the talents and the athletic ability of these WWE superstars. Uh, a spear by Lashley to secure the singles match for next week. I wouldn't call this a squash either from the previous matches we've seen, but it definitely a, a defining victory for Bobby Lashley going forward, making him look really strong going into next week. Uh, Lashley puts Strowman into the hurt lock. Miz tries to attack Lashley with the title, but a spear by Bobby Lashley to the Miz, and Lashley stands tall as the show fades to black with the WWE title. No Drew McIntyre once again. So a full Monday Night Raw with no Drew McIntyre. That is probably the biggest surprise for me out of this whole episode of Monday Night Raw. We didn't see Drew McIntyre once uh, at all throughout the whole episode. And for Lashley to stand tall like that, I'm not saying this is a changing of the guard moment. I'm not saying that Drew McIntyre is done for good. Don't put those words in my mouth. I'm not saying that. It's just surprising to not see Drew McIntyre after... He was the one that had the belt taken off of him at Elimination Chamber. Will we see him next week getting involved in the match between Miz and Bobby Lashley? Possibly. Possibly. Does that affect the title change? Uh, Does it put the belt on Bobby Lashley? I'm not sure. If you had to ask me if we're going to see a Bobby Lashley-Drew McIntyre match at Mania or if we're going to see a Miz-Drew McIntyre match at Mania... Uh, I would be intrigued in the Drew McIntyre Miz because you go from... I've had a couple friends talk to me after Elimination Chamber. They like the idea of having the chosen one take on the one that was never supposed to be. That's a good idea, but I felt like we also could have seen that between Cena and Miz already at WrestleMania 27, but kind of a different story given that the chosen one aspect of Drew McIntyre actually is a you know, a fallen chosen one. He, he, he had to leave the WWE. He wrestled overseas, he was in the UK, he was with uh, What Culture Pro Wrestling, you know, he did everything, he was, he was an impact, so uh, for him to find his way back, it's sort of another, it's a different story, but kind of similar to what it was in WrestleMania 27, if it's Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, I don't know what, there's no deep story that you can really tell there, you know, you, I, I don't know if the WWE wants to impact guys at Mania, you know, I wouldn't call McIntyre an impact guy, but he did wrestle for Impact for a while, and so did Bobby Lashley. So I gotta look back. I can't. Rem- I gotta wonder if there has been two Impact guys uh, that have wrestled at WrestleMania, with them having a tenure at Impact prior to their main event. Like Kurt Angle wrestled at Mania before he wrestled at Impact. So it's a different situation. Not nothing like that. But uh, that's a definitely a curious move for the WWE if, if they do decide to go that way. But I've already talked way too much about Monday Night Raw, and I really shouldn't be. The only reason I'm talking this much about Raw is because it's a three-hour show, and uh, even though this was a good show, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Let me not be too much. I I go to bat for WWE a lot, and I do think this one was a good show, uh, especially coming off the tales of Elimination Chamber. Uh, I'm going to give this a B-. I do think it was a decent show. Uh, nothing that blew me away. A couple things, maybe. Uh, the the Randy Orton stuff that actually blew me away. And the Charlotte Flair segment did a good job as well. Seeing no Drew McIntyre was probably my biggest surprise of the night. But I will give it a B-, and I'm confident in that. All right, we're going to head to the break. And then we're going to get into my top five Money in the Bank cash-ins of all time. Very timely. Very timely, I know. All right, stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. 
On this day in pro wrestling history, on February 23rd, 2002, Ring of Honor put on their first ever show from Murphy Recreation Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The first card included names like Eddie Guerrero, Daniel Bryan, Jay Briscoe, and Low Key. Rob Feinstein created ROH after ECW went under and after Feinstein couldn't get in the door at CZW, Feinstein would end up leaving his position at ROH in 2004 after sexual allegations. Kerry Silken would take full ownership in under a year and gain TV and pay-per-view deals. And then ROH would be bought by Sinclair Broadcast Group in 2011 and now is considered a top five professional wrestling promotion in the United States. I, w I wouldn't put it... I think it goes... WWE, AEW, Impact, ROH is there, NWA is very good sometimes, uh, I wouldn't talk that good about MLW right now, I do watch all of them, uh, I did watch ROH before uh, Monday Night Raw, I usually do that as an appetizer, and uh, maybe a palate cleanser I like to say. Because Ring of Honor does have the better professional wrestling, maybe not the better storytelling, sometimes it does, but the better professional wrestling than Raw. I, I think that that's almost affirmative. And I, I loved Final Battle, one of my favorite pay-per-views of 2020, WWE, AEW, no matter what. ROH Final Battle was up there, up there. Might, might even battle for number one, because that's how good Final Battle was for me. On February 23, 2010, WWE NXT had their first episode. NXT in 2010 looked a lot different than the NXT we know now and the, we, the NXT that we know and love. NXT was made to be more of a reality show than a pro wrestling show. Uh, the first show was from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Card included uh, Christian and Heath Slater uh, defeating Carlito and Michael Tarver. Uh, David Otunga defeated Darren Young in just 37 seconds, and Chris Jericho defeated Daniel Bryan. Funny enough, you know, Daniel Bryan being there for the beginning of Ring of Honor and also for the beginning of uh, NXT. That That's a good trivia fact for you. Uh, all shows have to start somewhere, and uh, you know some start at the top, some start at the bottom. NXT started at the bottom, and I think they're slowly making their way up to the top, and if they're not at the top already, NXT. Let's get into our next segment. Top five greatest money in the bank cash-ins of all time. Of all time, spanning all the way back to, I believe, 2006. So, a few honorable mentions. I felt like I had to say these or else I would, wouldn't feel, uh, my conscience wouldn't be settled. Uh, honorable mention, Carmella, SmackDown in 2018. I thought this needed to be said, especially since I don't have any women's cash-ins in my top five, which I'm mad about, but I couldn't justify putting this any higher than an honorable mention. A uh, huge pop and huge moment for Carmella to go over Charlotte Flair on an episode of SmackDown in 2018. Really, a huge moment. And the cash-in was a little odd if you look back at it. Carmella was just screaming at the ref, uh, Mike Chioda, and who we'll later talk about a little bit more funny enough uh, to cash it in, but he was very, very hesitant. Uh, Carmella with a super kick to take the SmackDown Women's Championship. Great call from commentary as well during the cash in with Corey Graves getting the most airtime, which I thought was very, very cute. Uh, another honorable mention, RVD. At One Night Stand 2006, RVD announced that he was cashing in uh, his Money in the Bank briefcase on an episode of Raw instead of it being a surprise. So, uh, 
I guess that that was sort of the, the original way that people uh, planned this to be or expected the Money in the Bank briefcase to, to act like it's it's your free ticket for a championship. We start to declare it before. This is what RVD, RVD did. Um, he used the cash into his advantage, however, by challenging the WWE champion John Cena to a match at ECW's one-night stand, putting RVD on his home turf. The crowd atmosphere in this match was fantastic, next next level, and it honestly made me realize, and one of the main reasons, as I had this as an honorable mention, uh, why the Money in the Bank briefcase kind of works. It's because of the shock value of it. You have the, the guy running in with the briefcase, and you have the fans roaring, saying, cash it in, cash it in, cash it in, or you have the fans also saying, oh, no, don't cash it in, don't do it, And but it's a genuine immediate reaction out of everybody it's not like you're preparing yourself to react that way because usually it's a shocking moment so it's not like you're you're giving a fake reaction you're giving the most genuine reaction possible out of yourself when you see that superstar running down with the briefcase and even though this was a little different and the reaction from the crowd was a little different given the circumstances of ecw in hammerstein ballroom you know that environment is completely different from anything we see you know this is probably the environment we see the day after wrestlemania so but i felt like this had to be mentioned uh given the the impact of it as well all right top five list at number five i have cm punk on raw 2008 the world heavyweight champion edge was attacked by batista cm punk cashed in the money in the bank briefcase running past batista to win the world heavyweight championship uh to find the ultimate opportunity to cash in against the ultimate opportunist was fantastic and a great storytelling as well. Not to mention CM Punk being awarded with his first major championship in the WWE. In 2008, I feel like this moment wasn't as valued as much as it's given today. Uh, because how much CM Punk means to pro-, pro wrestling now, especially after the early 2010s, but still a spectacular moment and a very well-timed cash-in on WWE's part. Number four, I have Dean Ambrose of Money in the Bank 2016. Why waste time waiting for your opportunity to cash in when you can cash in on the same show that you won the Money in the Bank briefcase in? That's what Dean Ambrose did in 2016 as he won the Money in the Bank briefcase earlier that night just to cash in on Seth Rollins, who defeated Roman Reigns in the main event. Uh, Ambrose cash-in was successful as the show ended with all three former Shield members present as Dean Ambrose stood tall with the WWE Championship. Uh, this is the most recent cash-in on my top five list. Uh, Ambrose now, John Moxley in AEW, has made his own waves outside of the WWE in AEW in New Japan. Uh, but a lot of fans hold their emotion for why they believe Dean Ambrose is one of the greatest professional wrestlers in the world right now because of this cash-in at Money in the Bank, because of moments where he stood tall and held that WWE Championship high. Uh, A lot of fans still feel that genuine original emotion of, uh, I'm a fan of this guy because of Money in the Bank. Yes, he did great things, obviously, outside of the WWE, and a lot of fans still grab on after he'd left. But uh, a lot of fans saw the potential then, and obviously that potential has absolutely blossomed. But it all started there. It all started there. Maybe a little bit earlier as well, but that was one of the big moments. Number three, Dolph Ziggler, 
Raw 2012 with Alberto Del Rio as the World Heavyweight Champion struck with an injury. Dolph Ziggler seized the moment by cashing in. Uh, this is the first entry on the list where the opponent kicked out of a pin attempt. Although the professional wrestling community, you know, uh, I shouldn't be talking that much about Alberto Del Rio in the context of what he's done and obviously the amount of jail time he spent and all stuff like that. Uh, I shouldn't be talking too much about Alberto Del Rio, but what I will say is that he did have a very big part in the cash-in of Dolph Ziggler. You can't swipe, swipe that underneath the rug. Uh, and he almost made those thousands of fans in the IZOD Center uh, leave with a sour taste in their mouth with Ziggler uh, unsuccessfully cashing in if he did so. But Ziggler got to one, one, two, three, and the pop was deafening from the East Rutherford crowd. And uh, emotions were running through Ziggler. And you can only imagine... Uh, even though you run in and you know you're going to win the the World Heavyweight Champion, you, you know you're going to win it. It's professional wrestling. But you could see the raw emotion coming out of Dolph Ziggler. And, you know, coming from a, a cheerleader gimmick and, and from a, a caddy with uh, Chavo Guerrero. I, I can't remember the name. That That's how far along it's been. Uh, to go from that to a champion is, is a fantastic story to tell. And uh, you could definitely feel the raw emotion. I have a friend that's a huge Dolph Ziggler fan, and he might be mad at me that I put him at number three. But uh, you'll see two and one. I think three is actually extremely generous on where I put Dolph Ziggler to, on this list. So uh, my apologies, my apologies. And you know who you are if you're listening. Number two. Edge, New Year's Revolution, 2006. This was the first ever Money in the Bank cash-in. This was after John Cena retained the WWE Championship during his Elimination Chamber match at New Year's Revolution. Uh, Edge with Mr. McMahon. Uh, Edge cashes in the briefcase. Uh, John Cena still looks strong in defeat, however, and we all know that that's how they're going to make John Cena look after kicking out of a spear, but Edge connected with the second one to win his first WWE Championship. Uh, This is how Edge became the ultimate opportunist, a label that suited his character so well throughout the 2000s and the early 2010s. This this has set the precedent of what it meant to be the money in the bank holder, and a great way to show not tell, a great way to you know not describe you know th- this thing could happen where someone could get in and do it after a match but a great way to show it and physically have it happen and not have it be a myth in people's minds because no one people sort of got the idea of the money in the bank briefcase but they needed to see it in action and for edge to be the one to put that forward i think he did a fantastic job and obviously has done a fantastic job they named a, a pay-per-view after <laughs> the money in the bank so it, that means that that briefcase had to work, and that Money in the Bank briefcase has worked as a perfect heel prop uh, going forward. And I think it all starts with Edge. It all starts with Edge there. But he doesn't get number one. He gets number two because he might have been the one to start it, and he might have been the one to set the precedent of it, but there's one man that perfected it. And there's one man I'm going to have to get to Seth Rollins, WrestleMania 31, on the grandest stage of them all. Seth Rollins interrupts the main event of WrestleMania between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase for the WWE Championship. The match turns into a triple threat match with Seth Rollins pinning Roman Reigns to pull off the what Michael Cole called the heist of the century, which I think is probably the best way to phrase it. Uh, Seth Rollins earlier in that card lost to Randy Orton on a one-on-one in a fantastic spot with uh, Randy Orton hitting like an RKO coming off the back of his head. It was uh, you have to watch it. I can't describe it too well, but uh, he coming off a loss. Seth Rollins. No one expected Seth Rollins to come and interfere in the main event 
of WrestleMania, especially, especially with Brock Lesnar in that main event as well. He don't really want to touch, you know, I, I wouldn't think the WWE would have even wanted to touch the main event with Brock Lesnar, given the money that they're paying him. So, Edge, as I said, might have been the first one to call himself the ultimate opportunist, but Seth Rollins perfected that moniker at WrestleMania. What a move, and uh, it still sticks out in my mind as easily, easily the best one of all time. He beats out Edge, because Edge started it, Rollins perfected it. That's how I look at it. Uh, Where does Mrs. Cashin uh, at uh, Elimination Chamber rank on my list? Nowhere near the top five, I will say that. Uh, Do I think it's top 10 or even top 15? Maybe, maybe. And it's not because the execution of the cash-in was bad. It was genuinely a decent execution. They had Bobby Lashley do the right thing as a heel should, go and attack Drew McIntyre and work someone's bidding. And the Miz goes and cashes in. I think that was executed extremely well. It was missing one specific thing, though. One specific thing. And see if you could figure it out before I say going running back through the top the top five. CM Punk, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Edge, Seth Rollins. What do they all have in common? They all had fantastic crowd pops that you could only get from a live crowd. So obviously there's not uh, Miz's fault. It's not like he didn't have bring a live crowd in the COVID era of professional wrestling. But you see what was missing there. That genuine emotion coming out of fans at the moment. Whether it is cheers or boos, I felt like I didn't get that genuine emotion out of that moment. I was left there to wallow in my own emotion of the moment and not be triggered by thousands of fans reacting at the same time. That possibly would sway my opinion, whether it was a cheer or a boo. Most likely it would have been a boo, but that boo would have been guttural. That, w- that boo would have been raw emotion coming from a fan, not looking at it from a analytical perspective like I have to do because I'm covering this for you and trying to see where this is going forward. No, it's coming from that little kid on the inside saying, oh, The Miz, why is he winning? That's where it's coming from. And that's what I want to see from professional wrestling fans. Not all this analytical stuff. You know, I want to feel that raw emotion. And I felt like we could have gotten that with The Miz's cash-in, but with no fans really there. And, you know, I guess the Thunderdome, you can call it, but the screens don't do it for you. You know, you need to see those fans there in attendance. And um, that that's where I felt like it really hurt The Miz there, but at the same time, nothing he could have done. Nothing he could have done. But I would have loved to see it in front of real fans. Uh, looking at next episode, we're going to talk about Impact Wrestling. Uh, that is tonight on Access TV and Twitch at 8 and before the Impact at 7 if you haven't been able to watch that. Uh, a couple good matches on this card. Uh, Diener and Jake Something continue their personal rivalry in a tables match. Willie Mack and Trey Miguel and Josh Alexander will bat- battle Chris Bay, Ace Austin, and Black Taurus in a six-man tag. This could have been Sammy Guevara because the, the words that they were saying with the whole Sammy Guevara incident was that everything that Sammy Guevara was supposed to be in, Black Taurus is now in, which makes sense because Black Taurus is coming from outside of Impact as well. So I guess they could sort of tell the same story, but not to the same extent because I think I put Sammy Guevara over Black Taurus, so I'm honest with you at the moment. And uh, next match, Kimberly and Susan versus Jordan Grace and Jazz for the number one contendership for the Knockouts Tad Team titles. That match was made last week. And if you are watching a BTI before the Impact, Falaba goes one-on-one with Johnny Swinger. So if you're interested, uh, you can watch that. 
that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT podcast.